0: Linda baez
1: Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda baez I'm your host today and thanks so much for joining me. I'm always excited when someone finds some time out of their busy day to spend with me. So today we're going to be talking about the catering and food service industry. Let me give you a little bit of information here. The catering industry has remained steady from 2015 to 2020. Now, we know that 2020 has certainly, um, it has certainly impacted a lot of industries. Um, catering is projected to be a $12 billion industry in 2020. Not sure that those numbers will still hold up, um, but certainly it, it was headed in that direction for sure. And 2019 uh, 2019 was a really good year for the food service industry and was full of new trends like conscious eating and third-party delivery. So the way that we eat and the way that we, um, we provide food for people has really changed over the years. So my guest today is Larry Powell, and Larry is vice president. Uh, of Franchise Sales and Development for Corporate Caterers. Corporate Caterers actually provides professional catering to corporate clients. So please help me in welcoming
2: Larry to the show. Hey, Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, Linda. Uh, Good afternoon. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. I am really excited to have you on the show because um, this is an industry that has really felt the impact of the pandemic, maybe even more so than some of the others. And I think it's good for people to know that when you have a strong uh, leadership team with that franchise, you are much more likely to succeed and and thrive through something like this. So before we get started with that, Larry, tell me a little bit about your background and how you
2: were drawn to corporate caterers. Absolutely. Um, Again, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I've never been a food guy, to be honest, other than, you know, enjoying to eat food. And uh, I owned a few businesses in the past. I owned a real estate investment business and I was a stockbroker for a while. And after my army service, I always looked for new opportunities. So Uh, Right around 2007, I had a partner that did have some food service experience with the macaroni grill, and he and I were looking at different concepts that we wanted to get involved with, and we really never considered franchising directly until we attended a franchise trade show, and we came across corporate caterers, and they were new to the franchising world, having not yet opened their first franchise. So let's go back 13 years to 2007, we come across corporate caterers, we have a great opportunity to open up the the Florida market and and really grow the brand, and we took advantage of that, so we bought the first three franchises in the system uh, that we we built and operated for over 10 years and ultimately sold them. So that was my involvement in the corporate caterers franchise way back when they first started franchising, and I, I basically have never looked back.
1: Well, Larry, I have to tell you that uh, if you started in 2007, you are certainly not a novice to uh, crises that are going on. So we'll get to uh, the pandemic in a bit. But I just wanted to acknowledge that if, if, you, were, if you were brave enough to jump out there in 2007, uh, you certainly – can make it work for sure so talk to me a little bit about corporate caterers then and what is it that they offer what's the service they offer larry
0: Yep.
2: so we are very different from your traditional caterer Uh, most people when you mention the word catering the first thing that they think about is the social aspect of it you think about the weddings or the parties or the events You know, the ice sculptures, the trays, the white gloves, and that's that's great. It's not what we focus on. We are a business-to-business catering company that is not a restaurant. We're solely focused on the catering aspect. Uh, We're one of the only national catering franchises in the country. We don't promote the, the social aspect, so there's no night, there's no weekends, there's no holidays. It's essentially food service without the restaurant headaches. You don't have that large restaurant footprint. Location is not really relevant to your customer base. We don't have any on-premise customers, as catering is our sole focus. So we're we're operating a catering facility that we're preparing all of the food, and then we're delivering it and setting it up either family-style or buffet-style for the corporate and, and medical customer. And we're doing this all in a defined process, in a defined environment, and focusing on that that core customer. So we set ourselves apart from the other competitors in that we're not married to that inbound restaurant customer, and we're able to service a core customer that has a specific demand that we're able to fulfill based on how we provide that service to that that consumer.
1: So when someone is thinking about maybe – Having um, – when, when I was in corporate, I was in banking for 30-plus years, and there would be many times that we would have the executives from New York to come to Houston, and we always had a spread, so to speak, for them. Um, and they always wanted more Southern-style foods. So how do you determine what's on your menu? And um, and how do you uh, cater to even those with sp- specific dietary needs? Because that's become a big thing these days.
2: No, absolutely. There's a, there's a palette for everything, certainly by region and geography and then uh, cultural demand as well. So we understand that. We've developed over the 23 years of building corporate caterers different menus that we know – In terms of just not just breakfast, but lunch and appetizers and dinners, major entrees, cold food, hot food, you know, we have various different ethnicities in terms of culture and food that we serve across our entire brand. So we know that different regions have certain demands, but we meet those demands because our menu is very flexible um, we do offer our franchisees the ability to modify the menu or make changes to the menu based on regional demand for certain types of food. But we, we feel we have a very diverse menu that can serve any type of need or, or palate or desire in terms of uh, of food. And um, we've been very successful in these menus that tend to be you know, in high demand regardless of of the geography. But we do understand the the cultural and regional need. And we're doing this in a way that it's not brown bag, drop-and-go, takeout Mm -hmm. food. I mean, this is a a professional catered meal in an office environment for a need to impress or serve a visiting dignitary or provide a a great uh, reward for your staff or do a lunch and learn. Whatever the need is, something better than, okay, here's some cold sandwiches that are dropped off at a desk, we're taking it to the next level by providing a catered experience in the office environment. Mm-hmm.
1: Larry, what is the perfect size for um, a, a luncheon or breakfast that, that you all really uh, specialize
2: in? So we do typically have a minimum of 10 guests when we do our service. Uh, but we've done that up to 1,500, 2,000 people on any given day. Our sweet spots, we're all within the 30 to 50 range for a family style or most recently these individually packaged meals that we've gravitated towards as a result of COVID. Uh, that's typically our sweet spot. But we'll go uh, as few as 10 guests for any corporate caterers catered meal. Mm-hmm. And
1: what are, what are the companies, what industries, what organizations
2: um, tend to seek you out? Yeah, so that's one of the things that we're really good at is identifying our, our core customer and where the demand lies. You know, we're very big in the medical community. We service a lot of physicians' offices, hospitals, sales reps, pharmaceutical sales reps. That's the low-hanging fruit for our business. And we really understand their needs and their demands, and we, we've specialized our business model to meet that demand. But beyond that, the corporate world is an abundance of opportunity. Uh, we're seeing large companies, small companies. Anybody that essentially wants to have a specialized meal at a very competitive price that's not a, a drop and go can be a customer. So a, I, at any given time in any different market, in a major city or a suburb, you know, there can be thousands of businesses that meet our criteria for a core customer, and then we will target them and provide our service and our product and promotions to them. So um, the B2B service is, is fantastic because, you know, B2B, they need to eat, and they like to do it in the comfort of their office, certainly now, uh, as opposed to venturing out to different restaurants.
1: So you mentioned drop and go. Does that mean that you set up with the sternos and um, is there also an option where there would be someone serving as well?
2: Absolutely. So we are very flexible based on client need. So if if our client requests a, a server or, And we're going to see more of that as we go through this uh, Mm -hmm. pandemic. And as we come out of the pandemic is for safety reasons, somebody actually staying on premise to serve the food, but we can do that. We can do a family style setup where they're serving themselves. And we also do the the quote unquote drop and go. It's still set up as individually packaged meals in the office, but we're not doing it in a, in a, a family style setup. It's, it's more of a great presentation where, the the staff or the people enjoying the meal are are grabbing the food and either going back to their desk, but it's not dropped off at the administrator's desk at the front of the office. So Mm -hmm. we we Mm -hmm. do have many different ways to service that customer need. Yeah.
1: So let's now talk a little bit about what that franchise opportunity would look like. When you're looking at prospective franchisees, are you looking for chefs? Are you looking for someone that's been in the food industry
2: for a while? So that's great skill set to have, but not particularly something that bodes extremely well for our concept. You know, I have done this for over 10 years. I ran three different operations. I didn't have that food knowledge other than boiling water and cooking a steak, grilling a burger. Those were my skills when it came to culinary. You don't need to be a Michelin-trained chef. You don't even need to know how to do the food preparation. We're not necessarily looking for that person. We do have some of those in our brand, but they're not the typical uh, people that we gravitate towards. We're looking for people that can follow our plan and be a visionary and share that with their staff um, because the other things that are more technical can be hired, and trained, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily a primary skill set of the entrepreneur or of the franchisee owner. Mm -hmm.
1: So you just mentioned training. So if someone doesn't have any experience in the food industry, what type of training does corporate caterers offer?
2: Yeah, so we offer everything. I mean, from I'm going to use a food analogy here, from soup to nuts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got the business systems. We have the software program. We own our own proprietary software that, that handles the operations of our business. We have all of the food preparation and kitchen manuals and training aspect. We have two intensive week of food and administrative training at our flagship operation in Miami. That's where our headquarters is. But we teach everything, the full gamut to from start to finish, to build your business. That includes Business development, marketing and promotion, uh, driver training, employee training, food preparation, uh, food safety, delivery, all aspects of the brand and the concept that we want you as a franchisee to come in and further, we're going to teach you and train you. And that doesn't stop after the two weeks. It continues for an additional two weeks once you become a franchisee in your store. And then beyond that, we hold monthly trainings and monthly webinars to further the education. Mm -hmm.
1: So you mentioned stores. Is this a brick and mortar?
2: It is a brick and mortar. It's typically 1,700 to 2,500 square feet of abandoned restaurant space is what we have our franchisees lease. You're not going to run this from your kitchen out of your house. There's regulations and requirements to operate a, a, a licensed kitchen, but it's much smaller than the traditional restaurant space. And it's typically much more favorable on location. It doesn't need to be class A real retail real estate. It can be off the beaten path, and it can be significantly smaller because we're not bringing customers in to the restaurant. So there's no decor requirement. It's essentially a kitchen catering commissary. Mm-hmm.
1: And it could be that some of the equipment may still be there. Um, you know, many times, you
2: know, it happens. Exactly. And, and certainly – During this pandemic and post-pandemic, we're going to see a lot of those opportunities with closed restaurants where landlords are going to be looking for favorable tenants that can come in and take over the space, often with existing equipment already in place. So there's always a tremendous savings when we're able to acquire those spaces.
1: Right. And I recently spoke to a uh, commercial realtor, and he was talking about the um, the, square foot- the cost per square footage is going to be drastically lower um, this year and into next year for that main reason. So um, prospective franchisees could look at getting a really nice deal uh, about now, don't you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, landlords that are looking for performing tenants with proven concepts are going to be far more negotiable in terms and in price and willingness to, you know, give tenant improvement allowance or, or whatever is required to get a qualified tenant into their We're mm-hmm. very comfortable with that process. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, Larry, I'm, I'm your newest franchisee and got the spot. They're doing the build out. How
2: do I get my first clients?
1: Client. Where do
2: I start? Yep. So great question. Um, just let me tell you, you're not going to need a lot of build out. We're not building vanilla boxes from the ground up where a lot of dollars are, are spent on infrastructure improvement uh, because of the type of restaurant, abandoned restaurant space that we acquire. But the great question is, how do I build business? And we've got a plan. We've built this plan in franchising for the last 13 years, and it's really specific on our model how to go out and identify who the core customers are, what to say to them, what to send to them, what to bring to them, um, how we can assist them in their needs. We do all of this with the support from our franchise uh, development team. Often the franchisees themselves hire people within their organization that are going to do the franchise business or rather the business development for their particular location. But so we work hand-in-hand hand consistently through collateral materials, digital materials, uh, website, brand advertising, ground-and-pound, uh, offers and samples of our food and our product. And that's how we're identifying what our, who our core customers are and how we're directly marketing to them and acquiring them. And, and the good thing is once we get a customer – We're really good about keeping them. So we don't have a lot of attrition corporate caterers brand due to the way we handle our business and provide excellent customer service and quality food. Nice.
1: And so when I get ready to open my doors, so to speak, and have several clients, how many employees should I
2: anticipate meeting up front Not a lot, surprisingly, Uh, because we're operating essentially during banker's hours. Not quite, but it's close. It's about 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. There's no nights, no holidays, no weekends. So we attend to track a labor pool that comes from the restaurant industry that's not accustomed to working day hours and not working night hours. So we do attend to Hmm. track very highly qualified labor, likely even more so with this high unemployment and going through the pandemic. But to start, you need only five employees excluding the owner, and that's essentially a head cook. It's an assistant cook or steward, somebody that's going to help put away inventory, make our chips, help make the sandwiches, assist the cook. And then one or two delivery representatives, those are going to be your people out in the field setting up the catered meals to to the customer in the office environment, And then a business development person that's going to do exactly what I previously described in terms of identifying and acquiring and retaining customers. So five to start, and then as you add business and revenue, and as you start to scale, then you start to add additional labor pieces. Gotcha.
1: So we're down to that point where we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, so to speak. So let's talk about the pandemic how has the pandemic impacted the way your franchisees, you interact with your franchisees and the way that they have um, had to change the way they do business really?
2: Yes, um, it's been a challenge uh, for the entire food service industry, both non-franchised and franchised businesses alike. Um, You know, the restaurant industry has been decimated we're seeing fewer food delivery competitors. Most of our competitors were restaurant-based. We're seeing a lot of those close. We've uh-huh. had to adapt to the changing demand in catered food needs from our customer base. And, and one of those, which we created almost immediately when the pandemic started, was this gravitation towards individually packaged meals or, or IPMs. Um, we've set up a system, uh, Uh, an infrastructure for not only creating specific menus that hold up well, that travel well, that are served well, but all of this support and the infrastructure in terms of vendors and suppliers and raw product to support not just our corporate stores, but our entire brand. So we've been very proactive in that and it's been well embraced by our franchisees. We've also embraced the contactless delivery as we've seen, you know, We've maintained that social distance. We're able to do curbside delivery as needed. We're able to do segregated food service delivery in a catered environment in the offices as needed. Our shift and our real focus on safety in our food prep and delivery has been paramount, and and that has allowed us to continue keeping some of our customers when they've had fear of not wanting to receive third-party food Uh, based on the pandemic and and the challenges with safety. So all of our franchisees have embraced this. We've reflected this on our website. We've changed our offerings. We've modified our process. But surprisingly, 67% of the food and meals that we still send out and deliver are still family style. So the focus Mm. has, although been desired for some individually packaged meals, still maintains a a greater percentage of the family style. So um, we're very focused on that. Food and safety is, is paramount, and we've shared that with our entire brand. Mm-hmm.
1: And, Larry, as we're coming out of this, how is this going to impact the way um, the, the corporate caterers move forward in their business?
2: Yeah. So post-COVID, whenever that is, we're going to see businesses and corporations returning to the office work environment. I mean, you know, there's a need for collaboration. There's a need for face-to-face meetings. There's a need for operating, you know, working with somebody, still maintaining safety and still maintaining some distance, but there's there's always that need. So what we're going to see likely is employers providing food that was once as a perk is now likely going to be more the desired a future safe safer norm where mm-hmm. they're not going to want their employees to leave, to go out to lunch and, and have 10 different, you know, third party delivery drivers come in with 10 different meals. They may want to just keep their staff, you know, captive, for lack of a better word, and then feed them as part of a norm as opposed to a perk. So it's going to be mm-hmm. that con- continued focus on safety and we will see the eventual return of traditional large group catering come back to the office environment. It's just going to take a little bit of time.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for all of the industries. But it's, it's all about just that adjusting and pivoting and um, making those changes quickly so that the franchisees um, can stay afloat,
2: so to speak. Exactly. You have to evolve and adapt or you become a dinosaur. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I tell you what, Larry, it's, uh, I need to take a quick commercial break, but I would love to hear some of the stories of either your franchisees or maybe some of your uh, your customers. Do you have any you could
2: share with us when we come back? Sure. I'd love to share a success story that we have uh, regarding our um, location, ironically, in, in the Houston market. So happy to share that. Okay. With you. Very good. Well, folks, we
1: will be right back after this commercial break with more from Larry Powell
2: Caterers.
1: House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com.
0: Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballestetos is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at empowerfranchiseconsulting.com 832-640-4922. Hey,
1: folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. we are talking uh, to Larry Powell today, and we're talking about the catering Uh, industry, the food service and catering industry. So, Larry, I'd ask you if you had a story to tell. Before you share that story, would you mind giving out your contact information if somebody's listening and they're interested in knowing more about Corporate Caterers? How would they find out more information or get in
2: touch with someone? Sure, happy to do that. Uh, uh, You can visit us on our website at www.corporatecaterers.com. And feel free to click on the franchising page, and my contact information will pop right up. At that point, you can submit a request for follow-up. You can get download some forms and some uh, further collateral information about our brand. You can sign up for a one-on-one webinar with me, or you can call me directly uh, on my phone or email me at lpal at corpcaterers.com. Or reach me directly on my phone, 561-756-1869. I, I answer all calls, and I would be the one walking you through the process. So happy to engage with anybody that shows any interest. Wonderful.
1: So let's hear one of those stories, Larry.
2: Yeah, happy to, Linda. So we have two Franchises in Houston. Our Houston market is is divided into two. We like to award territory of significant size. Typically, it's a million a, a minimum of one million in population. And our North Houston franchisee, as a result of the pandemic, was able to contract. And by the way, they they had not found this business prior to the pandemic. Once the pandemic started, they found an opportunity to serve. Uh, Since the pandemic started, three meals a day of between 50 to 100 guests for breakfast, lunch, and dinner since the pandemic began uh, to a hotel that was assisting with feeding first responders, uh, pandemic um, workers, and they were doing this out of the hotel, but they didn't have the means to support that amount of food on a daily basis. And surprisingly, they found us, and we were able to do that. So this particular location has actually increased their sales during the pandemic uh, as a result of coming across these opportunities. So we've we've taken their model of this concept, and we've rolled it out to all of our franchisees to look for these opportunities in other markets, and we're finding some success. So, you know, the pandemic is not necessarily the worst thing uh, for us. In, in our business model because we've actually come across some opportunity. So crisis leads to opportunity, and we've been very fortunate with that in our Houston market.
1: You know, Larry, one of the things that I always believe is that during a, uh, a challenging time uh, in, in this particular situation, that challenge is the pandemic. But during those challenging times, people get very creative and some fabulous ideas come out of, I don't want to say desperation, but of, of really needing to do something different. So that's a perfect example of how one of your franchisees got creative. I love that.
2: Yeah, we we're very uh, excited for them. They've been incredibly excited about uh, the future growth of their business. They believe they've acquired a customer that's going to be with them post-pandemic and it's just, I think it's just going to open up more doors for them and for the rest of our brand. So we're, we're very excited That's
1: about it. It's great advertising too, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely is. Yeah, yeah.
1: So did you have another one for us, Larry?
2: Um, you know, off the top of my head, that was I, it's hard to top that one, so I wouldn't want to do yeah. that one any disservice by, by giving yeah. you something else. But uh, yeah. sales yeah. have increased for them,
1: and we're happy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, Larry, we are down to the end of the show here. And I've got those final three questions. And the first one is, if there's someone listening, who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of things that can be done. Uh, First and foremost is research, research, research. I mean, you want to identify the best opportunity. You may not know what that opportunity is. Uh, Reach out to a franchise consultant. Reach out to a franchise broker. It's not going to cost you anything. Get some advice. Get some education on the process. Take a profile test. Uh, there's a company called Zoracle that helps you for a fit for your personality, your interests, and your skill sets. You may think you're good at one thing, but you may be actually good at something else. So take a, a personality test. Certainly get your finances in order, your savings, your 401K, IRA, any loans. You know, you want to get know where the money's coming from. Uh, even before you choose the franchise, but once you identify that franchise, make sure you're engaging with that franchise development representative for that franchise. You know, somebody like myself. Ask me a million questions. Uh, let me h- allow you to validate the brand. Uh, attend the discovery day. You know, do all of the things that's going to further educate you. I love talking to educated franchise prospects because. Um, they're able to ask really intelligent questions, and it helps me move the process certainly much quicker. So if you're thinking about buying a franchise, do all of the legwork now. Most of our franchises put the information up on their website because they want you to be informed. Uh, the old mm-hmm. days of keeping the knowledge to yourself is are gone. We want informed and prospective candidates. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. That's a very good point there. So the second question here is, What are two traits that make a successful franchisee?
2: Yeah, there's so many of those. Um, uh, Let me just focus on two that have served me well. And number one is, you know, you're buying a system as a franchisee. You're, You're expecting support. You're expecting to follow a system. So stick with the system, right? It's easy to get sidetracked on outside influences or things that are not relevant in the process. You know, that's why you're buying a franchise is because we are eliminating those concerns for you. We're eliminating some of those decisions. We want you focusing on the the concept and the process and the brand and building your business. You know, if it doesn't generate revenue or save expense, it's not important. So stick with the system. And and secondly, put your employees first, right? They are your frontline. They are your core. Engage them, empower them share your vision with, if you do all of that, they will put the customer first because they know that you have them back. I was very successful with my staff uh, and my employees over 10 years is that I was very engaged in their success and I was very empowering of them and giving them the opportunities to grow and be successful because I knew they were going to take care of the business aspect of it. So uh, put your employees first and stick with the system.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you're buying, right? When you're buying into a franchise, you're buying into the system. So you definitely want to follow that system for sure.
2: Exactly. Don't deviate. Otherwise, you can open up Larry's Catering Company, and you don't need corporate (laughs) caterers, right? That's exactly
1: right, Larry. So that final question here is, what does the future of
2: franchising look like? So I think it's very strong. Uh, coming out of this pandemic in in general, not just for corporate caterers, but franchising in general. I mean, let's look at some of the, some of the factors here. There's higher unemployment. So people that are unemployed, looking for opportunities that may have some some money or may have access to to some capital, maybe they're disenfranchised with the corporate world or they're fleeing the corporate world and seeking entrepreneurship post pandemic. Um, You know, these are going to be factors for gravitating towards franchising. And I do think there's going to be an abundance of capital available uh, with SBA loans and banks because franchising serves, you know, as a blueprint and a model for attracting those those lenders and those dollars. So Uh I think Uh that post pandemic, we're, we're going to see a lot of opportunities for franchising to continue to grow. In in all industries, uh, certainly you know not just food, but but every single industry is going to have opportunities, and and I think our outlook is is strong. Mm-hmm.
1: So I want to follow up on something you just said there, Larry, talking about the funding and the lenders, um, just so that that you as the listeners out there understand, if you decide to open Larry's catering service, and, versus Corporate caterers, I will assure you that the lenders will look more favorably on the franchise model than for you to start from ground up with no experience.
2: Have you seen that to be true, Larry? Yeah, Linda, 100%. You know, all of the lenders that we dealt with when we provide our operations manual and our business plan and our history, and the pre-opening plans, and all of the items that they typically look for, you know, if you're a new business owner, you're creating that from scratch, and we've uh-huh. built that for, you know, 13 years of franchising, 23 years of, of corporate store ownership, so, you know, this is as simple as handing this to the franchisee and saying, this is what you're going to provide to the lender, and this is how we're going to get this loan done, uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. that saves a tremendous amount of time and effort. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Because again, folks, this is really critical for you to understand because you may be coming out of corporate thinking, oh, I've always wanted to have a catering company. So maybe I'll just start my Larry's catering. It will take you years. And I am not exaggerating. It will take you years to put together the manuals that Larry's talking about here that corporate caterers has already done. It's a proven model. They have people that have already done it. It's been successful. There's no no history for Larry's catering service. So keep that in mind when you're struggling in your head as to whether to go off on your own or if you should actually look at the franchise model. I, I believe in the franchise model 100%, Larry. And so um, I kind of got on my soapbox there just a little bit. But it, I think it's important for people to know what comes along with this. And um, they don't always understand.
2: I, I couldn't agree more with you, Linda. Yeah, people um, tend to you know, have want to em- not embrace the unknown uh, for fear. And we eliminate a lot of that fear because the process mm-hmm. and the system – And the plans have been laid out, and now it's just about following it. So we eliminate one of the most important and and fearful hurdles that franchise prospects uh, encounter as they're considering solo business ownership or buying into a successful branding concept like a corporate caterer. Yeah, most definitely.
1: Larry, we're down to the end of the show here. One more time, if somebody wants to find out more information about corporate caterers, how would they do that?
2: www.corporatecaterers.com. You can see all of the information about us, how we got started, our franchise opportunity, resources, and certainly you can reach out to me directly, lpowell at corpcaterers.com. And my phone number is 561-756-1869.
1: Wonderful. Larry, thanks so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed the conversation, and I look forward to – staying in touch with you guys.
2: Thanks for having me, Linda. Much appreciated. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, folks, we were talking a little bit about the, the difference between going out on your own and plugging into a proven model. So when you plug into a proven model, it, it offers you a little bit, it offers you that, um, that, that something that you don't really know that you need if you start from scratch. So I'm going to leave you with a quote, as I always do. This is by an unknown author. It goes like this. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little extra. And you don't even know what that little extra is until you actually get into it. So corporate caterers, they've got that little extra already in a box waiting for you. Thanks again, folks, for joining me on All Things Franchising, and we'll see you next time.